This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, bringing on in to this lovely 4th of July weekend. Hope everybody is off somewhere with a drink and a hot dog or a burger um, enjoying it. Because guys, you get these Saturday 4th of July. I mean, Friday is the observed holiday day. So Thursday night's a party, Friday night's a party, Saturday night's a party. It's, it's going to be a great weekend um, just around your neighborhoods. Obviously, people can't really travel and get into big gatherings, but just a nice uh, way to celebrate the holiday here this weekend. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it also sets up for, you know, people <laughs> to have basically two full weeks of, of fireworks going off. I saw a thing. I think the, the city announced like 295 calls complaining about fireworks from June 1st to July 1st. So uh, people are getting it into the full extent this year. Yeah, that's always like a war zone in my neighborhood. Mine too. For South Lincoln is yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. But yeah, it's not often that you get uh, the 4th of July on Saturday. So definitely going to enjoy the weekend. Yeah, you, you get the, the fireworks in the city of Lincoln. They don't start selling them until July 3rd, but you can drive over to Hickman or Roca, the neighboring right. towns. And we made the drive over and picked up uh, just some snaps and smoke bombs. Nothing nothing crazy. No no artillery shells or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> but guys, uh, Scott Frost did an interview um, with both the state's major newspapers this week um, confirming that they've had five players uh, test positive for COVID-19 over the, since April. So not just like recently, but this is over their entire stretch. Uh, the percent positive rate really was in the 3%, which is low about as low as you see on coronavirus testing data out there. I think the state in the last couple of weeks has been in the 5% range statewide. Um, but, you know, it just led to a lot of topics, a lot of discussion as we move forward. And I thought one of the more interesting things Scott Frost said during that interview um, was, you know, people act like if we just stop playing football, that's going to stop the spread of the coronavirus. There's this notion out there, football is going to be this big spreader. But if anything, you look at how things are, they are in a controlled environment. They're testing guys regularly. They're feeding them in a controlled environment. They're sanitizing and separating guys, doing all these extra precautions. And if you take football away, you take that away, what's it going to look like? What are guys going to be doing? Um, you know, what's your motivation at that point without a football season academically? And what do you think 19 to 22 year old kids are going to do to sit inside and, and do nothing for the next year? I mean, I, I thought he made a really good point there that if anything, they're at least trying to keep things safe and paying the money to make sure things stay safe. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's issues involved with trying to uh, have a sport with 150 guys uh, and limit the, the spread of an infectious disease. But the other hand of that is, so you call off football, then what happens? You know, I mean, you're basically leaving a bunch of college-age kids to, to their own devices and expecting them to uh, keep themselves safe in every walk of life outside of that structure and bubble of the football program. And yeah, I, I mean, I think there are certainly uh, cases to be made that players are safer in uh, the, the, the realm of football where your meals are all provided, your, your, your uh, places where you eat, places where you sleep, places where you uh, do your studying are all sanitized and everything is basically uh, as 
controlled and contained as any place you're you're going to experience uh, as a person of that demographic. So uh, yeah, I, I think Frost made a really good point. That is true. It doesn't get talked about enough. People just think, well, you got a bunch of guys playing a sport where you tackle each other. They're going to pass a disease. Well, uh, they're going to get it no matter what, football or not. Uh, and so, you know, I would at least try to keep guys isolated to where, you know, you have uh, the resources and the infrastructure available to them that will keep them much safer probably than they would be if they were left on their own. Uh, to me, it's it's about having something bigger than themselves to, to worry about. I think that when you have an entire team, when you kind of feel the responsibility for doing the right things, so you're not spreading something to an entire team, to all your teammates, to your coaches, to the support staff, and and everybody else that you come in contact with on a daily basis. That's gonna you know help slow the spread. But if you don't have anything to worry about, you're probably not gonna be as careful. You're you're probably you know not gonna be as mindful where you're going and who you're hanging around with, and if you're wearing your mask or if you're washing your hands or whatever the case may be. So I, I agree with Frost. I, I think that. Um, canceling football or shutting football down is, is not going to do anything to, to slow the spread. If anything, it might even make it worse. And it's going to hurt everybody more. I yeah. mean, the economies that it's going to hit. Um, you, you just look at what college football means to different states and communities, the businesses. I mean, I, I told you guys before the show, I, I named a couple of South Lincoln restaurants that have closed their doors. And imagine no Nebraska football. I mean, we already know it's probably going to be limited attendance as it is. Um, but you know, we, we sit here in the heart of the Haymarket, right in the rail yard, and we look out our window and we see empty signs. We see empty buildings right now that haven't been able to make it in the current state of things. Take away what brings hundreds of thousands of people to this town every week. It's scary to think what could happen to some of these hotels and businesses and other things. And then the athletic department, as we know, a lot of longtime people um, are done on June 30th. They, they were victims to this, lost their jobs out of this. What would happen if, if we didn't have all of the football revenue? How many more jobs would get cut? So it, it, it has a, a huge effect on so many things when you start to think about the impact of what football means, not just to the players, but to everyone else in the state. And so that's the hard balance to it all is there are consequences that are extremely severe on either side. So, um, you know, what happens if they go you know, full steam ahead and play football and then a player that uh, for one reason or another has uh, you know, compromised immune system or you know, pre-existing condition? What if you're the program that has the first college football player that dies? The liability involved there. I mean, is massive. And so that's what I think a lot of schools and you know programs are looking at is, yes, we understand the financial and um, just all the other aspects that are involved uh, with consequences of not having football. But, you know, we, do we want to be deal with the other consequences of, you know, playing this thing? And so I don't know. I, I mean, that's why these guys are having conversations daily for hours. But that same guy could get sick and die not it. playing football, but by playing football, it gives you something to go after. But at the same time, just think of the attention that we brought upon your program. You know, Nebraska football had the first college football player that died. You know, I mean, there's going to be headlines everywhere. Uh, there's already quite the, the narrative going on that, you know, college football. But you realize, like, in the SEC footprint, there wasn't one death under the age of I 25. Get I get there it. hasn't been one. I mean, Look, I hope they play football 100%, and I think they should play football in, in at least some capacity. There needs to be some form of a season. Now, if you restructure the way the season is and don't play a full uh, slate, uh, you play, you know, maybe regional games or whatever it may be, I think they have to make something happen because I agree with you. I think the consequences of as far as, you know, full scale of what not having football compared to having football 
it's you know I mean I'm it's a risk that especially in Nebraska yeah I mean, I mean and so here it's easy for me to say I'm not out there playing but it's I think one that should be taken it's a risk that should be taken but at the same time you know you have to always keep that in the back of your mind of the liability involved that goes if if something crazy were to happen uh, if you go full steam ahead well to me I, th- I think you have to leave it up to the players too I mean if they don't feel comfortable doing it then they shouldn't then they shouldn't play and if you have somebody on your team that has an underlying issue health issue or whatever then you know that may be more susceptible to to having you know an adverse reaction to to contracting the the virus then then they shouldn't play either uh, or they should be quarantined or put somewhere else I, I i mean i i think there's extra steps that you could take to to help safeguard yourself and to make sure that that uh, the players themselves are are comfortable and that's one of the things you got to tip your hat to nebraska i mean as aggressive as they've been trying to push football forward they've also been as conservative and precautious as you could be and unmc is it's not scott frost and right. jared lamprick right. making these decisions they're being advised by the lead infectious disease experts for this country. Yeah, and so, I mean, they are by going above and beyond making sure uh, they can do everything possible to keep everything under containment. But not every school is doing that. I mean, look at South Dakota State. They're not doing anything. They don't have the money. Yeah, and so, I mean, like, that's the risk you have of, you know, trying to play a a season as usual is as much work as you do to try to uh, keep everyone safe and protect your program. There's another school that either can't do it or won't do it or isn't doing it nearly as well as you are. Because without the state or federal support, like Test Nebraska, if you do that right now in Nebraska, it's free. You have to have a lot of money to pay for this. And the Big Ten teams, the SEC teams, they have the ability – to have the money to pay for what needs to be done. But you mentioned South Dakota State, who needs to play Nebraska to make their budget, that needs state subsidies that, to help their program. They don't have the ability to test all their guys and, and, and do that. Um, so, yeah, it is going to be interesting to see. I know Nebraska, um, just from the advice they've received from UNMC, um, there's not a necessarily as big of a push to test and, and track the asymptomatic guys anymore based on what they're told. They're more worried now about guys with symptoms um, because the data they've received from the UNMC is that people that are, say, asymptomatic, their chances of spreading the virus are next to none. It's the people with the symptoms that they really are trying to um, keep away from, obviously, the rest of the players on the team. Right, and that could be anything from you know, a, cough, a sore a throat, a cough, a, a day or two fever, whatever. Shortness so, of breath. And, you know, that's, again, Nebraska has the resources to do those sorts of things. But um, that's why you kind of got to look at what, you know, assuming there is going to be a season, what will that season look like? Yeah, I found it interesting listening to uh, John Cook talk about what they're doing and and how and he he flat out said they've had uh, volleyball players who have been you know set out of of workouts and have been sent home and quarantined only to find out that the symptoms that they had were just allergies um, and it wasn't it wasn't yeah. coronavirus it was um, it yeah that's Sahara that Sahara dust that came up yes. this week I, I my allergies no. flared up on yeah. that. Um, and so, I mean, they're taking extreme precautions here, uh, with anybody that has any sort of symptom and, um, you know, they're filling out questionnaires multiple times a day and multiple times a day. And, um, you know, as far as how they're feeling and taking their temperature so on and so forth. So, I mean, they're being extremely careful. I, I don't know. There's no way you're going to keep everyone from, uh, from not getting it. There's going to be some, some people that get it, but I think, um, just the, how controlled the environment is. Uh, if you just did away with that, it would spread much, much faster. Well, I think there's this notion that you know your results immediately, and it 
it's a three, four day process 72 hours. Yeah. to find those results from the lab. And I know Nebraska has found that if, you know, the UNMC lab stuff has been 100% from what I understand, like they've got great results, but there's been a couple of times where results might have to get shipped off to out of state labs, just in different circumstances. And some of those results may not be accurate. You know, you might have one say positive then the other get retested and be negative. So there's a lot of questioning with the testing and everything. And I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time. <laughs> yeah. It's not going away. Um, but you brought up a regional schedule, Robin. I wanted to bring that up next in our next segment. If, if the Big Ten had some teams that pulled out and it caused the Big Ten to kind of disband, Nebraska you know, could look at going to a regional schedule. Let's discuss options about a regional schedule next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Nate Klaus and guys, I teased this here before the break uh, about regional scheduling. And, you know, there's kind of a scenario out there because the Big Ten has been strong in this that we're all or nothing, meaning if potentially, let's say, coronavirus politics in Illinois, New Jersey, Michigan, uh, I think those would be the three states, particularly that, you know, might have different views versus, say, Nebraska or, say, Iowa or. I don't know about Ohio, but, you know, you, you go around the conference, there's definitely different ways this is being viewed. Could that lead to the Big Ten not sponsoring a championship in a football season? And if that happens, I can tell you this. Nebraska's had conversations with others already. There is work behind the scenes just to make sure you have your ducks in order to have a regional schedule put into place, meaning pretty much a 500-mile radius schedule, but I also have heard maybe some teams in the Pac-12, like in Arizona or in Arizona State, you know, in a conference where they're surrounded by California, Washington, Oregon, pretty strict coronavirus places right now. They might be looking for games. So it will be very interesting. And, guys, if it did play out that way, I mean, call me crazy, but it would be pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, all things considered, if that's the worst-case scenario for one year, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll take anything we can get at this point. Uh, but I do think, you know, a regional schedule makes a lot of sense just logistically. I mean, if you want to try and keep kids uh, contained, getting on an airplane and flying to the East Coast probably isn't the smartest idea. Uh, whereas, you know, having a bus where everybody's saves monitored. money too. Yeah, it saves money uh, in, a, in a year where you're literally firing you know, people that uh, were have a lot of value within your athletic department. Uh, I mean, every cent counts. And so, you know, you look at what that 500 mile radius would look like. I mean, you're talking about maybe a bunch of old big eight games getting renewed for a year or um, maybe even, I don't know, some some FCS games. Wyoming, or, Colorado, yeah, Wyoming. Colorado State. Yeah, schools in Kansas. Missouri. The Dakotas, uh, maybe even Minnesota, Iowa. I mean, so you could keep a lot of your Big Ten West games. Wisconsin, maybe still. Yeah, they'd be borderline. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could go with it, but I think what's going to be interesting is – uh, the week to week. I mean, there could be situations if it plays out this way where, uh, I mean, you have a game scheduled and then suddenly there's an outbreak at that campus and they can't play that week. And so you need to have somebody, uh, you know, ready to go to try and just get a game in, uh, you know, because of the money involved and, and just all the logistics there. So I'm fascinated by this concept and, you know, it's kind of fun to think about all the teams that Nebraska could potentially play if it ends up shaking out that way. Yeah, I'm, I am fascinated by it and, you know, I would not be upset about it at all. I think it would be kind of neat, but at the same time, I would feel sorry for the people who have to oh my have all the ducks lined up. I mean, 
uh, to not only go out and, and put together a regional schedule and have that you know in line um, to, to kick off and to play if it came to that, but then to have the backup schools in place in case there was a flare-up at, at this campus this week and, and you needed to change the game you know, and you had to, to have somebody to step in and, and play. I mean, that – Whoever, whoever the people are behind the the scenes that are kind of putting, you know, dealing with all these logistics and putting these things together, uh, hats off to those people because this is it's kind of a logistical nightmare in so many different ways. But um, yeah, I would not be upset at all to see Nebraska play Colorado, you know, the the, the old Big Eight schools, Colorado, KU, K State, Missouri. Um, Iowa State, you know, I mean, I, I, Missouri, you know, K State, KU, yeah, all those, uh, maybe even Oklahoma State. I'm, I'm sure that's within 500 miles. So, hey, Mike Gundy's sister lives in Lincoln, so yeah. he, we got a connection <laughs> yeah. in town here. I'm sure that would right. be a fun story that week. His yeah. niece is one of the best golfers in the state right now. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that would be kind of kind of cool, kind of an old school throwback throwback schedule there. Yeah, it would. I mean, it, it would be. A silver lining on what's been just kind of a big crap sandwich. I mean, that we've, we've been served here over the last. I tried to keep it in bounds here since was we, good. Was good. we do air on a lot of affiliates around the state of Nebraska. But yeah, it, it would be fun. I'd, I'd be curious, you know, because Nebraska fans would want to travel. If, if, if you're playing at KU, K State, Iowa State, um, they would want to travel. And I'm, I'm sure some of these schools would be like, we want them to travel because we need their money. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, you know, you think about the amount of money Nebraska fans used to bring into KU, K-State, Iowa State. Um, I mean, I remember we went to Iowa State, Robin, in 08, and the face value of tickets for that game were over 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, they used to spike up those tickets um, for that Nebraska game. So it, it would be something to watch if, if we went that direction. How many games would it be? Does that mean bowl season would be just gone? Would there not even be bowl games? Um, but some of these bowl games could still operate you would think without yeah. conference ties. Go, go play a bowl game in Kansas City or something like that against Well, no, I mean the bowl games operate as nonprofits and, and organizations, but if you can't have fans like high number of fans go, then how does yeah, the bowl the make point? them I mean so well, yeah T V, I'm sure that's where the majority of their paycheck comes from. So yeah, there's so many things to work out, but it sure is gonna be fun as hell to follow if, if it does play out that way. Yeah, and so, you know, with the I I just see it, you know, you mentioned like schools from Arizona, Pac twelve, whatever. And I think that's a lot harder to work out. I think they probably might have to get a little more creative given their <laughs> extremely different situation uh, than what's going on with Nebraska. But, uh, you know, with the, the being able to drive places, I mean, that kind of also eliminates having to stay in a hotel. I mean, if you can make a day trip to Manhattan, you can make a day trip to Ames, and it's going to be a long day for your players, but it's better than having them away from your campus bubble for an extended period of time and it's just a lot easier to contain that many guys so um, I think that makes a lot of sense but with the schedule also I have a hard time seeing it being you know a weekly game I think you're probably having like maybe a bye week every other game uh, to give you know adequate time to get tests in and uh, address issues and uh, you know figure out just you know all the steps that are going to be added to the equation with the virus situation so you know it could be a longer longer schedule but with less games maybe you're playing six or seven games with an off week every other week yeah in a in a, ter- in a period where you're trying to save money i mean think about the amount of of dollars that would be saved by having these day trips uh, where you're not putting up a you know 200 people in a hotel and you're not paying for a charter you'd have to flight. stay one night though i would think 
think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that, and that's that's affordable. Yes. It's the fl- it's, it's plane. the plane, the, the the plane. Yeah, where you're we're traveling halfway across the country. two hundred and some thousand on a plane probably is yeah. what it costs per game. So I mean, yeah, you're you're saving a, a ton of money right there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely a viable thing, and it wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if if that's what we ended up seeing. Yeah, if you think about it, like if you were able to bus versus fly to yeah, let's say you played five road games and you could bust at least four of them i mean that would save if you're trying to think about people's jobs in the department if you could take a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar charter and cut that down to like 20 and thirty thousand in busing i mean (laughs) that's a pretty significant savings across the board and i think that is the the fear for nebraska if we don't have games if we don't have ticket revenue if we just had fourteen thousand fans in the stadium i could tell you the cuts are either going to be more drastic mm-hmm. there's going to be more cuts more jobs lost and we've heard some of them already um and if that were to happen it would be worse yeah no question so uh there's a lot that obviously still needs to shake out with all this um you know as we've said time and again Things change very quickly with this whole situation one way or another to where, <laughs> you know, your, your feelings on the season literally change by the hour. So uh, I am just reassured to hear that Nebraska and schools you know, across the country have every possible scenario on the table right now to where even to something as extreme as this, where you're completely upheaving the uh, entire format of a football season and just trying to get any semblance of football uh, that you possibly can, you know, every option needs to be on the table. And it sounds like uh, the, the staff and, uh, you know, staffs around the country are, are kind of going forward that way. Yeah, I wonder how much they're actually looking back to, I think, the early, like the early 1920s or something like that when the Spanish flu hit the country and there was that pandemic and they played football that year. I know, I know Nebraska, I want to say they didn't start the season until like the end of September or beginning of October, but they ended up playing – um, you know, I think eight games that year, seven games that year. Um, you know, I wonder if there's anything to be learned from how they actually operated that season or, or you know, some things they did well or didn't do well uh, that year uh, that they dealt with that pandemic. I, I don't know, but I'm sure that I'm sure they're looking like, like you said, Robin, I'm sure they're looking at all options and, and kind of, you know, looking back to see what worked well and what may not have. Who's your guys' dream, or not dream, but just what, what would be your number one regional schedule game that you would like to see for Nebraska if they did this route? Oh, boy. Uh, so as far as like going, like a road game or just game in general? Both, game okay. and road game, because we don't know where they'd be played. Right, that's a good point. So, all right, uh, you know, in, any of those old Big 8 games I think would be fun, um, especially if you can get um, – you know, I haven't just. The, I just remember. I've the, the, when I think of the old Big Eight travel games, I think of going to Manhattan. You know, just that that two and a half hour drive or whatever. Would anybody be more excited than Tom Chattel or oh, from the Marvel yeah. Herald? I mean, he would just. I mean, this <laughs> would make his career to get like yeah. one more tour of Big Eight games. So it's not the biggest new names out there, but I think just from the nostalgia aspect, you know, going down to Manhattan, playing Kansas State, or even you know getting Oklahoma. You know, and obviously that's coming up uh, later on, but you know, getting that game in, or you know, even Iowa State. You know, some games like that that uh, you know would bring back some memories, and you know, I'm sure a lot of Nebraska Nebraska fans would love that. I, I would have to say Missouri. I, I think that mm. now that they're an SEC school, I mean, there's always been kind of some some bad blood there. I think, and now that they're an SEC school, that would be, um, you know, to, if you're going to have a temporary schedule or, or kind of a you know piece together a different schedule, I don't think it would be 
uh, it wouldn't be bad to, to add an SEC school on there and, and to maybe even get a win over them. K-State would be fun just because it's two hours from Lincoln. It is yeah. the closest Division One FBS campus to Lincoln, Nebraska. So just the, the thought of traveling, say, to a road game two hours away. Um, yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. I, mean, I remember, you know, Nebraska would play 1130. The, the Fox window back then was 1130 on FSN. And I could leave my house from Lincoln and – easily make an 1130 kickoff in Manhattan as a media member mm-hmm. and then drive home after the game. Yep. But you had to make sure you don't speed on your way home. Oh yeah. yeah don't, <laughs> He'll yeah, get don't you. It's it's it, it was only 60 or 60. I mean, it was a lower speed. Yeah. They've, they've made the drive a few times. Those traps were well known, but yeah, there's no four lane. It's all two lane road. Um, once you get past Beatrice, um, but once you get through Beatrice, you're only like 90 miles from Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah. So it's, so that's, I mean, that's the stuff like that. Those are the stuff I remember about just traveling in the big 12. Uh, and, you know, if you know, obviously they're, they're you know, probably more marquee names, but for me, that would probably be the, the funnest aspect of a regional schedule. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would, I would not be disappointed whatsoever to, to see a throwback big eight style uh, regional schedule put together. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk Nebraska basketball. The dead period was extended. We kind of knew for football what was going to happen, but what does it do for basketball? We'll get Robin's thoughts on that and what players aren't in Lincoln yet. Uh, we'll hear all that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we talk some Nebraska basketball and guys still making their way to town, Robin, but um, we're seeing it with football for, you know, Nebraska. Daniel Cherney, um, one of the only guys not in Lincoln from Australia. Um, I know he's got a expediated meeting hopefully coming up with the embassy um, in July so he can get up to Lincoln by that point. And, we're seeing some of these international issues as well with Fred Hoiberg. Luckily, basketball season doesn't start until November, right. but um, a couple guys still not in Lincoln yet. Yeah, Thor, Thor, Thor Bjorn Arson and Ivan Wagerogo are both uh, in their respective countries of Iceland and France, um, which you know, right now it's one of those deals, the exact same thing um, you know, with you know, Cherney. Is they, they're just waiting. You know, they're waiting for the international travel restrictions to be lifted. And right now, just kind of where the way things stand, it uh, doesn't seem like that's going to change anytime soon. So uh, the good news is that both of those guys have access to you know first-class uh, facilities. They have gyms they can go to. Uh, they have trainers to work out with. So uh, when you look at what they would actually be doing here, um, as far as actual basketball work, you know they're able to do all the same things. But the one thing that they're really missing out on and um you know in the kind of grand context of this offseason is pretty important is just the bonding element with their new teammates i mean obviously those are two of uh only i think three guys that even saw the court last year returning uh and so there's a lot of you know meshing that needs to happen uh even if you're just in the gym together going to you know get lunch together or whatever it may be uh that you know, just trust. contact and trust and chemistry is all kind of an important thing that you can't replicate over Zoom talks and text messages. So that's probably the biggest hit that's happening right now. But, uh, you know, as soon as I've said, as soon as those um, you know travel bans are 
lifted or eased, they will be on a plane to Lincoln. And the good news is that, you know, those guys have actually been here. They've played here. And, you know, Thor's the most experienced guy on the team. Now, I don't know this, Robin, but, I, you know, in some years past, there's been like advanced summer leagues locally with college players from all the way from NAIA all the way to Division One, And we covered some of those games at one point. Um, is there anything like that that's going to happen this year locally that you've heard about as far as college players trying to play in just some sort of league now that we can play basketball again? Yeah, the, the tournament, in, or I guess the league in Omaha, um, you know, Nebraska's players used to play in that. And then, All the Creighton guys did. Yeah, Creighton guys did. And then uh, when Tim Miles took over, he kind of told his guys he didn't want them there. He'd rather have them on campus working with the coaching staff. Uh, so that kind of went away as far as Nebraska's concerned. Guys with Barry Collier used to play in that all the time. But um, – I don't know. I mean, Corver yeah. used to like playing it when he was like yeah. in the NBA. He'd come sure. back and play. Yeah, uh, Anthony Tolliver played in that thing. So anyway, uh, I don't know what their status is on that. Obviously, a lot of things are in flux, and um, you know, it, it kind of depends on um, one uh, what they're able to do as far as you know any you know, state. Uh, restrictions or whatever uh, on you know playing in basketball or being in a gym and how many people you can have in there and two how many people are willing to do it I mean because you like there's a wide range of players it's guys that uh, you know are still high school and there's some guys that are you know pushing 40 that are in that thing so um, like Bruce Chubbuck played in that for yeah, a long time yeah so it's you know that's that's one opportunity they have but you know I wouldn't imagine that especially given the circumstances Nebraska is just going to let their guys travel up you know on a bunch of guys that they hardly know at this point exactly you don't know who they're going to interact with and I think the whole point of getting these guys on campus the way that they did and as early as they did was to get everybody together and make sure that you can contain and control these guys well a guy named Jason Isaacson I think used to run that I don't know if he still does but he he's the same age as me played for Bruce Chubbuck senior at Council Bless Abraham Lincoln and wouldn't surprise me if they did something like that. It would be in Council Bluffs um, because they're. I think that they were playing ball there earlier. But yeah, it's doubtful that we'll see something like that for the college players. Now, the dead period, Robin, was also extended yeah. um, for football people. I don't think this is a shock, um, but a definite blow to the basketball world that the month of August will not be allowed because you know maybe some work would have been able to get done over August mm-hmm. for a lot of these coaches and kids. Well, they were talking about doing just like a handful of, uh, you know, exposure events, you know, around the country to where at least for the top level guys, coaches could, you know, see as many of them as they could in one gym in one weekend. Uh, but, you know, now that's going to get pushed in the fall. And then you're talking about, uh, you know, at the earliest being in September. And that's kind of when, you know, coaches are really starting to dial in with their teams. And, you know, when we had Matt Abdelmasi on here, um, you know, a week or two ago, uh, he was saying that it's unlikely that Nebraska staff would even go to any of those events. You know, for one, uh, Fred Hoiberg's not because he's got, you know, underlying conditions with his heart that you know he's not going to put himself at any unnecessary risk. And then for Nebraska staff, you know, they're going to be here trying to get a brand new team with a bunch of new faces uh, going for that, you know, I guess right now season opener in early November. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot that I think needs to be addressed here that will probably keep Nebraska off the road, even if there are some of those uh, real late exposure events that are added on in the fall once that dead period is lifted. And it, it, to me, Robin, when you start playing, say, September tournaments and, and that happens, I mean, a lot of guys play high school football, yeah. too. So how many of these kids are you going to knock out? I mean, and I get it, like the Hunter Souths of the world. They're not playing high school football. Um, because they're on the NBA track right now as a high school kid, so there's you know you're not going to necessarily see those guys. But how many kids in football season are going to play in these tournaments 
uh, it just doesn't, you know, I don't know. Maybe you're better off just having kids come on campus for unofficials and meeting with them in person at that point. Well, and that's the next big issue here is if the dead period is extended, then, you know, I guess as the calendar sits right now and there are football games in September, those are so valuable for Nebraska basketball recruiting in terms of getting kids on. I mean, visits are scheduled around football games because that is the best opportunity to showcase what Nebraska athletics are all about. And if you start eliminating those and say they extend the dead period for another month, uh, you know, I mean, Nebraska's opportunity to bring kids in on visits is going to be uh, really limited. And that is the most valuable asset they have. And so when you take that off the table, then you're really putting pressure on that coaching staff to continue to have to sell kids on the idea of Nebraska rather than letting them see for it, uh, see it for themselves. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk Nebraska basketball um, with Robin Washett. So, you know, for the staff right now, when the players are on campus doing things, what type of instruction, I mean, what kind of coaching can even happen? Can you play pickup games? Um, I mean, what are they allowed to do at this point with the guys? Well, the only instruction going on is with uh, the strength staff, you know, Tim Wilson, the, the head strength coach. So they can do – football's involuntary still. So, like, basketball can – They can oversee it. They can, over, they can supervise, yeah. but probably not necessarily um, organize and right. run workouts. Right, right. It's, it's really similar to what football's doing. I mean, there's a guy – I mean, they're, they're there. Come on, though. Like, it's kind of a – Exactly, yeah. <laughs> It's a blurred blur line there. But anyway, uh, they uh, – yeah, that's, so that's kind of as far as instruction goes. They do have access to uh, the practice facility, uh, you know, so they can get in there and, and play. But there's no coaches that are allowed on the court. I mean, you, you can't you know, do any sort of, uh, you know, on-court instruction or anything like that. So, again, that goes back to the guys that aren't here. They're really not missing out on much as far as basketball activities goes. And I think as that goes, I think maybe later in July – then they're, they're able to start to do a little bit more on-court work. Uh, there's a lot of Zoom meetings going on. Uh, eventually, they'll be able to break down film via Zoom together. So, you know, there's it's going to gradually pick up, but right now it's pretty limited. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. When we come back, we're going to shift the discussion to the mailbag as we'll take your questions in the mailbag next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Taking your questions here in the mailbag as um, no interns in town yet, so I'm going to do my best to, to navigate us through the mailbag, guys. And uh, first question, and kind of a nuts and boltsy one, but I, I thought it's a good thing because a lot of people don't really know this, but when will players report and practice officially start? And I've got all the answers here on that for you right now. Uh, players are on campus. They have been working out. And in Nebraska's cases, players have been here really since the beginning of May doing their own thing. The weight room opened up at the beginning of June. Um, but right now, what's called unorganized workouts, meaning players can lift and train and run. Coaches and trainers can supervise, but they cannot instruct. Starting on July 13th, organized workouts begin. And you get eight hours of week um, of what's called CARA time, allowable hours um, by the NCAA. Six of those hours can be with strength coaches in the weight room, and two of them can be with football coaches in the film room. So you get eight hours a week starting July 13th. Then on July 24th, the mini camp begins. At that time, you'll be under what's called a 20-hour rule. You'll get 12 hours of allowed mini camp time per week. One hour can be an actual practice. The other hour of the practice has to be a walkthrough. Um, so two hours on the field, six days of that week. 
then you also still will get your eight um, Kara hours, six with the strength coaches and two in the film room. So it will be a full 20-hour week. Then fall camp will begin August 7th. When you are in what's called camp mode on the NCAA calendar, there is no 20-hour rule. So your players can be in the offices um, for twelve we- or for twelve hours or longer a day, and, and usually that's how it is. The guys will get there at six, seven in the morning, and they're there till seven, eight o'clock at night. And I know Nate, you've worked around a lot of fall camps, and those Bill Cal- nobody ran a longer, more stringent fall camp than Bill Callahan. No, that was <clears throat> that was a grind. It was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you were you were there from six in the morning until nine ten at night. Nine ten at night at least, and um, and a lot of times, you know, after those final meetings. They would, um, you know, they would want to have. We would have what we called at the time a freshman roundtable. So you have you would then have another meeting with your freshmen to basically, you know, ha- make sure everything's going okay because they're, you know, you're dealing with homesickness and being tired and everything. And it was that was a grind. And, and admittedly, we probably had way too many meetings. Uh, I know that. You know, obviously, coming from the NFL, he was wanting to have it. Like a training camp. Yeah, exactly like a training camp and fit as much in as you can because – you uh, you don't have the the type of restrictions on you at, at that point in time, but um, but yeah, that was that was definitely a big time big time grind. So for basketball, uh, just up until Wednesday, it was kind of just all voluntary workouts. But now they're allowed to do what they call, I guess, enhanced in person activities, weight training, conditioning, all that stuff. So basically, more involved, supervised workouts. Uh, and they can do Zoom meetings as a team, go over film, um, you know, basically more coach time, um, you know, team building activities, all that stuff. And then uh, that goes until July 19th when they can start on July 20th uh, doing on-court practices uh, until the first day of fall semester on September 15th or I guess September 15th or the first day of fall classes, whenever, whichever one comes first. Nate, as we take your questions in the mailbag here, it would not be a chat or a mailbag without a Thomas Fedoni question. Yeah. And we've got a couple of them here for you. Number one, who is Nebraska's main competition for Council Bluffs Lewis Central National 100 Rivals 100 recruit Thomas Fedoni? And then secondly, let's just say Fedoni and then Gunnar Helm wanted to commit to Nebraska. What happens with A.J. Rollins? Would they take him as an athlete? Or um, does he kind of have a time clock on when he needs to make a decision by? So as far as the biggest competition for Thomas Fedoni, I think there's a handful of other schools. It's, I think it's Nebraska. Um, obviously, Iowa's still in the mix, uh, but you also have LSU, Alabama, and Michigan, and Notre Dame that, that are also in the mix. And, um, you know, in, in the chat, I know somebody asked me to put a percentage on, on how confident I felt Thomas Fedoni would be uh, to committing to Nebraska, and I put it at 55%, and people freaked out. They're like, well, I thought you were confident he was going to be going to Nebraska. Well, I am. I, I still feel like he eventually does commit to Nebraska, but you have to you have to look at it, uh, you know, look at the, the pie, the 100%. Uh, you know, I, I think Nebraska probably has the majority of that pie fit at 55, but it's also split up, you know, Alabama's got a piece, LSU has a piece, Notre Dame. Uh, Michigan, Iowa, all those schools are also in the mix. So I think they have a piece um, or at least a a chance too. And so while Nebraska may, I think they probably have a bigger slice than everybody else, 
Um, you know, I, it's I, I can't sit here and tell you that they've got ninety percent chance of landing him or anything like that. Uh, but they are in a great in a great spot now. If Fedoni and Helm were to commit, um, I, I still think they would take AJ Rollins probably as an athlete. Now, I, um, I also know that uh, supposedly if if Fedoni commits, uh, I think that um, they may go ahead and, and tell AJ, hey, if you want if you want this spot, you better take it. And uh, and if that were not to happen, you know, or if he passed on taking that spot immediately, then I guess there could be a possibility where he didn't end up being part of the class. But, you know, we've talked about it before. The the optics of, of uh, you know, not having a, an in-state guy, you know, losing a guy like Keegan Johnson and, and all that, I still feel like they would take him in the class. All right, kind of a fun throwback one here, um, just a memory lane deal. For any of you guys, what was maybe the biggest scoop that you've heard and you believe that it would be legitimate information but you could not report it for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, maybe it ended up falling through or didn't happen. And for me, there was one in 2006, I'll never forget. I was leaving the press conference um, in Arrowhead Stadium, Nebraska, just got done talking. I still remember Bill Callahan and Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards was the, the coach of the Chiefs, and they, they had like a nice little chat on the side. And I'm getting on the shuttle to go back to the Marriott downtown in Kansas City, and I get a call from a source like, Sean, something's going down right now. Um, there's some sort of compliance investigation involving, I won't say the names, but very, very prominent guys, um, as prominent as it could get on the current Nebraska team the night before they were going to play this game against Oklahoma and Arrowhead Stadium with 60,000 Nebraska fans. It involved a storage unit, and somehow maybe these players didn't pay for it, and they paid for it with tickets. And the compliance was looking at it, and there was like real question about possibly them not being eligible to play in this Big 12 championship game. Um, ended up playing in the game. I don't know whatever went, how that, whatever happened or what happened in that situation, but I just remember sitting there that night thinking, oh my gosh, like this could really change the course. And at that time, Nebraska was favored to win. They were, they were probably supposed to win that game against Oklahoma. They lost 21-7, to as we know, uh, but that, that's one that stuck out to me. So obviously, I haven't had anything that uh, large of scale, uh, but a lot of mine are you know things that you know either happen on the recruiting front um, or you know maybe assistant coach hirings here and there uh, with basketball. But one that immediately jumps to mind was you know this was shortly this is back when Tim Miles was the head coach. Uh, shortly after uh, Xavier Johnson uh, up and decommitted, leaving Nebraska kind of scrambling to find a point guard. Well, they were in position to get a commitment from a four-star Rivals 150 point guard who. Um, had originally committed to Northwestern, but uh, was dismissed from the school and was back on the market. And it was basically lined up. Like they were going to get him. They were drawing up the papers to get it. And then for whatever reason, it never happened. And a lot of it had to do with an incident that happened between the player and a a female student at Northwestern that uh, basically (laughs) uh, shut it down as from Nebraska. You know, basically Nebraska was told they they couldn't take him. So, uh, you know, it was a real interesting deal where Nebraska could have gotten a pretty darn good fallback, but uh, was told uh, they were not allowed to pursue it any further. Yeah, one, most of mine are recruiting uh, based. I know the one, one that really sticks out to me was um, you know leading up to the Army All-American game, I forget exactly what year it was, 2017, uh, I think. Anyway, it was, uh, it was the year that Darnay Holmes and, yeah, it was, it was that 2017 class. Darnay, Darnay Holmes, Jameer Calvin were set to 
uh, announced for Nebraska at the Army All-American game, I think two or three days before um, before everything was, was ready to go. I had it confirmed from two different sources, uh, two different sources that had never been wrong before. Um, and so I know that I, I know I kind of hinted at things that what was going to happen. And of course that did not happen. Um, <laughs> neither, neither one of those guys ended up picking Nebraska, uh, during that game. And, uh, you know, for various reasons that, that it all fell through, but, um, sometimes, you know, you've got a source that, that, uh, or multiple sources that confirm something and they've never been wrong, but, um, you know, especially when it comes to recruiting, the <laughs> nothing's ever don't done. trust an 18 year well, old yeah yeah exactly nothing is ever official until the the words actually come out of their mouths all right guys final question here kind of a random holiday weekend one and we're maybe giving away our man card here by even addressing this but what has been what's your favorite seltzer as we are just overwhelmed in this world of 90 calorie seltzer drinks when you go into liquor stores and grocery stores and I'm going to give you my new one, and it's relatively newer on the market, but Coors Light has jumped into the seltzer game, and they have come out with what's called Vizzy, and Vizzy is really good. Like, I've tried White Claw, I've tried the Bud Light one, and this one to me is the best one I've had so far. Yeah, there's so many. Uh, they kind of all blend together, and I'm, uh, I have no shame in it. I'm a, I'm a seltzer boy, uh, especially when it's 1,000 <laughs> degrees outside. Uh, it is significantly better and more enjoyable to drink that than uh, you know, standard beer. Now in the winter, I'll change up and you know, go, go back to my traditional beers. But for now, uh, I will say you know, I've gone back for, between the Bud Light, the Corona seltzers, and then uh, the White Claws. You know, as, as much as I hate to admit it, I think White Claws are probably number one for me right now. I, I'm with I'm with you, Robin. I have not had the the Vizzy. I haven't even had the Bud Light or the, the put, Budweiser. I put Bud Light seltzer. third okay. on my list. Yeah, I haven't haven't had I haven't had too many of them, but I I definitely do not mind a, a White Claw. Actually, um, you know, it can be kind of refreshing on the on the right day. Now, I couldn't I couldn't sit down and have like a you know a session a, a, a get after it and drink. You know, drink uh, a twelve pack or anything like that, but uh, I, I definitely enjoy one or two uh, at a time. So that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, you start heavy with a real beer, and yeah. then you, you yeah, yeah. end with seltzer yep. to cap it off. A little, little lighter, yeah. uh, lighter nightcap there. All right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, enjoy the holiday weekend, Robin. I know um, you're going to have a few seltzers this weekend. Yes, or seltzers are on tap, uh, probably amongst other things. Okay. Well, enjoy that new deck too, Robin. Got a new deck built. It was a big project, but I am enjoying it to the fullest. Break it in. I expect that Traeger to get some stains on there the first week. Yes, sir. Did ribs the other day, so it's it's in full effect. All right. Well, Robin, have a good 4th of July. When we come back, Nate Klaus and I will close the show with recruiting. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we're bringing you into the 4th of July weekend. Hope everybody is either at somewhere safe or on their way to somewhere to have a great time and enjoy the holiday with friends and family. Uh, But before we get to recruiting talk with Nate Klaus, this segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by our friends at Coogler Vision. Uh, It's been close to a year now since Nate Klaus got his uh, surgery done to correct his vision with Coogler Vision. Nate, tell us the latest 
um, and greatest uh, with our good friends at Coogler Vision. That's right. Uh, yeah, closing in on almost a year. And, you know, a lot has changed with Coogler Vision in terms of uh, them going the extra mile to keep you safe. But w- something that has not has been uh, just the great service and the tremendous work that they've done. You know, uh, the biggest surprise for me when I got my uh, vision correction was just how, how short and how easy it was. Uh, less than a minute on each eye, and I've got perfect vision now. And so uh, I encourage you to go to CooglerVision.com and uh, sign up for their, their online consultation there. Take the quiz to see what works for you, and uh, I guarantee you, you will not regret it. And, Nate, uh, as we move into the 4th of July weekend, uh, we've hit on this in a, a few shows in the past, but there could be some fireworks in Nebraska – is in really, really good standing with four-star wide receiver Latrell Neville um, out of Houston, Texas, um, was originally committed to Virginia Tech, has almost every major offer in the country on his list. He's going to announce on July 4th. Um, I think we all agree Nebraska probably is the team to beat here. If they were to add Latrell Neville, as I would say on the people on Red Sea Scrolls would say, what does it mean for Nebraska? Yeah, what it means is that they're getting a 6'4", 190-pound uh, athlete there uh, as a wide receiver, uh, one of the top guys in the country, uh, somebody that's got almost 50 offers. Yeah, think about that. I mean, <laughs> you've got 50 different options on the table, and not just from anybody. I'm talking, you know, basically the entire SEC, um, including Alabama. You've got Ohio State. You've got Oklahoma. Um, you've got pretty much every every major college football program in the country has offered Latrell Neville. So, um, you know, and he did originally commit to Virginia Tech, um, followed fellow Houston um, native Demetrius Davis, uh, a quarterback, highly ranked quarterback who had committed to uh, Virginia Tech, who uh, is now backed off that commitment as well. So the two of them kind of backed off things uh, around the same time. And um, you know, credit to Nebraska. They were recruiting Latrell hard leading up to his commitment to Virginia Tech. They stayed on him even though he was committed to, to the Hokies. And, uh, you know, once he backed out away from that, all of a sudden that's why Nebraska vaulted towards the top of his his choices because he's got that relationship. And, and I do think that on the 4th of July we're going to see uh, Latrell go ahead and, and pick the Huskers. So, things so your are, future cast is to Nebraska. My future cast is to Nebraska. Um, you know, and, and I think, like I said, when, once that happens, the Huskers are they're adding a big body, dynamic athlete uh, as a wide receiver. And um, and boy, I mean, you think about how much that room could have could potentially be changing in the span of two recruiting classes when you add uh, a guy like Sean Hardy and Latrell Neville on this class, both two guys over six, three. Um, you know, Omar Manning, Xavier Betts uh, out of the last year's class, uh, two big bodied guys. All of a sudden you've got you've got, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty wide ar- array of, of talent in that room. And are they done if they if Neville picks Nebraska like we think? Is that it? See, I, I think we could see a, p- a potential third wide receiver in the class. But it would be somebody who you could slot as a running back in the class, or somebody you could a slot Wandell Robinson, a Wandell type. Robinson type of guy. Uh, you know, they've got their running back in Gabe Irvin. Um, if they did get Latrell Neville and and they already have Sean Hardy, um, you know, they basically have their two outside receivers. So if they did take another guy, it would be a slot type of of wideout, somebody who could line up in the backfield or or line.
lineup, you know, in the slot that that duck are, if you will. So uh, that's the only that's the only other option that they would have, um, I believe, in this class. But uh, like I've said before, I think things are pretty fluid. Um, they're filling up, and they have a limited amount of space in this recruiting class compared to years past. And so, um, you know, I, I do think it's they're, it's going to be kind of fluid and t- up until they've got maybe one or two spots left because they they might have two offensive linemen that they really, really like on the board that they could both get that they decide to not turn away. Um, or they could have, like I said, that that uh, that dynamic playmaker that could line up in the backfield or line up as a slot receiver that they just decide they can't turn away. So, um, you know, and if they do take, you know, take somebody at one spot that could take away from, from someone else at, at another position. We're listening here to the Husker Line Show. Nate, another name that continues to be uh, on commit watch for Nebraska is Christian Burkhalter, the outside edge pass rusher out of Alabama. Um, you know, wh- what do you know here as far as when he could make an announcement? And I think your future cast as well is for Nebraska on him. Yeah, I've put my future cast for Christian Burkhalter in for the Huskers. Uh, he's a 6'5", 235-pound athlete out of Spanish Fork. Uh, Spanish Fort, Alabama, uh, plays tight end, outside linebacker. Uh, Huskers like him as an outside linebacker, um, and he, he's a really, really good player, um, first of all. He's, he's a tremendous athlete, um, and it really fits exactly what they're wanting there at the outside linebacker position, and things seem to be trending more and more towards Nebraska. Uh, and and um, just like you know, Coach Lubick did a great job of, of staying with uh, Latrell Neville, I think Eric Chenander has done a tremendous job of, of recruiting Christian Burkhalter up, up until this point, um, and really everybody in Alabama. Uh, Chenander's done a tremendous job, I think, in Alabama and Iowa. Um, it would be hard to, to say otherwise. So, um, yeah, he if they did get his commitment, uh, which I think could happen sooner rather than later, uh, I think they'd be able to to shut things down at the outside linebacker position, which was heading into the year, uh, you know, another one of those big areas of need. All right, Nate. Uh, the dead period also was extended. Um, not a surprise, um, but once again, it just really clouds up the vision of what recruiting is going to look like because spots are filling in power five programs. That pressure is applied to kids. It's forcing kids to make decisions to reserve a spot in a certain power five program that maybe they're not ready to do that in. And, you know, it's just kind of led to all these uncertainties that, you know, I think we all agree it's going to get pretty nuts when things open back up. Yeah, it's going to be crazy when things open back up because kids want to take visits. They want to be able to, to see things with their own eyes, not just virtually or, or you know, on going to a YouTube and, and seeing what a game day atmosphere is like in Memorial Stadium or whatever. But, um, you know, with that being said, like you said, spots are filling up. And I think kids are going to be faced with a tough decision here pretty soon because I think a lot of guys were still kind of holding out hope that they'd be able to at least take some unofficial visits before the season started and before their senior year started and um and that's not going to happen now and so uh, I, I do think you know a guy like Marcus and Bo the uh, the offensive lineman out of uh, Wisconsin who's got like a top three who really likes three schools but has not been to all three um is is wanting to kind of you know 
make a decision, but he's also not wanting to miss out on an opportunity because uh, one of those schools fills up at, at his spot. And so um, it's put him, it's put a lot of recruits in a very tough position here. Um, do they go ahead and make a decision based off the information they have and, and the feelings, um, you know, the kind of that gut feeling that they've got and based off of the relationships they've been able to develop, or do they go ahead and roll the dice and wait until you know they they will be able to take a visit, uh, not knowing exactly when that will be, and not knowing if those schools will have room for them at that point in time. So um, it's a tough spot, but I do think that we're going to see maybe a wave of commitments across the country here here over the coming weeks um, f- with those kids that that do have you know maybe a top two or three, and and go ahead and just decide, hey, you know what, I'm not going to lose my spot. I'm going to make the best decision I can right now and, and see what happens. Well, we hope everybody has a wonderful 4th of July weekend with friends and family, and there'll be lots to log on to. So make sure you follow HuskerOnline.com because we are expecting some recruiting news to happen over the weekend. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 